Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon. Jeff Fisher. Me, Todd Dovac, and we've got a special guest with us. Uh, I'm very, very pleased to announce our friend. That's your cue. Cue. That's you. Uh, that's my cue? Cue. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm supposed to name myself? You name yourself. Yes. You don't want us naming you. Just Nick. Just Nick. Uh, can we say your full name? Is that okay? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Just Nick Jaffe. Okay. <laughs> now, the only reason I say that is because, you know, the internet world is big, and there's a, there's actually yeah. a few Nick Just Nicks. That, and, and there's, there's a, a bunch of Nick Jaffe's. So there's I just one Nick Jaffe I've been battling for years to see who's cool. Or he, I think he's way cooler. He likes single-handed sales like across the friggin' Indian Ocean and stuff like that. Oh, so he's way cooler. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds less cool to me. But <laughs> um, okay. So, anyways, hey everybody, we are so glad you are listening uh, in whatever form you are right now. We are very glad to have you. Um, uh, we are entering the end of 2016. Thank goodness, because 16 has been a sucker punch. Let me tell you that for more reasons than I care to talk about. Then let's not talk <clears throat> about this. I'm, I won't. Don't make me. Are you making I'm me? I'm not making you talk about anything. All right. A lot of good people died. Well, that's that's, <laughs> that's one okay. of the things that I think he was trying to avoid, but that's okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> um. So, listen, I got a whole bunch of news that I want to go through, uh, and then we'll get on with it. We won't, we won't hem and haw too much, all right? Cool. Jared's got his guitar knob shirt on. That's kind of cool. I love it. I got mine on. You can have one, too, if you, if you email us. Oh, yeah, sure. I'd love one. Well, well you get one. I mean, <laughs> oh, other, okay. other folks, you know. Listeners. Well, you, well, you got you to you gotta pony up for those ones. Um, got it. I haven't put it on the website because as soon as I get the shirts, they start going. And uh, yeah. I, I don't have a stock of, like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's that constant thing of like, hey, we got shirts. And then they, they go and someone goes, hey, I want a medium. I'm like, yeah, I only got like, I don't have any of those. So you can wait till next. <laughs> you say, hey, just get a large. They shrink anyway. Yeah. Just get a large. Um, we will send you one. Okay. Uh, so some news that I want to go over everyone out there. Uh, one thing I want to do is say thank you to the people on iTunes who have been commenting on the podcast. Um, that's not one of those things that I, you know, I wish we could reply on there, um, but that might start some kind of weird reply war. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, I was just looking at them today, and I really do appreciate Everybody who is commenting and replying, uh, whether it's on iTunes or, or any other property or, you know, uh, territory that we're on. Uh, I think specifically, one, one guy, um, so we had, we had some new comments from Gilly151 uh, and Venus Armada, which I thought was, that, that was kind of a cool That's nice. handle. That is a cool name. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so I was reading, and it, it, it was, you know, is very complimentary to the show, and we very much appreciate that. It's always great to hear good things. But I'm the kind of person that if, if I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you your zipper's down. And 
I really do appreciate Which when Jared's was. <laughs> no, five minutes I ago. Was. was. You walked out the door earlier, and I'm like, oh, my zipper's down. And I said it out loud, you know. I didn't all care. right, yeah. <laughs> um, well, good. We're all good people like that. So, you know, the Internet is one of those weird places where it's easy to hide behind a screen and and be, you know, harsh or rude or, or you know, uh, all those awful things uh, that we're constantly that we constantly see. And so I, it's, it means a lot when someone says, Hey, I like your stuff, but I, I got a couple comments I want to share with you. And one of them <laughs> was a little weird to hear, uh, that Gilly 151 shared uh, that I smacked my, <laughs> I was smacking my lips too much. <laughs> so I'm going to be really <laughs> conscious about <laughs> not, not smacking well, my lips. Good, good feedback. But I wouldn't have known that. And I, you know, it's like, here, here's the deal. How do you know it was you? Matt Pinfield had a show, all right? I don't know if he still has it. I I think I just did it. That's why. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, I got to be really careful with that. Um, Matt Pinfield had a show, and he would do certain things that it just, it was was hard to listen to, Um, one of which was completely talk over whomever was talking, but... Uh, there were there were a couple other things, so I can understand how someone says, you know what, I don't have the time to be aggravated to listen to all these things and and have that little thing like bug me all the time. So I appreciate it. I will be conscious of that. Uh, so big thanks uh, to anybody. Uh, you, we've gotten a couple other comments like that. Um, not necessarily all about me smacking <laughs> smacking my lips, but um, I will do my best to unoffend there. Uh, so the next point of interest or business, whatever you want, I don't want to say it's business. This is not business. This is fun for us. Um, is, uh, we had well, another guy, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Jerusik, uh, suggest a topic for us that I thought was really interesting. It's as someone who is uh, reporting on, I'm not reporting, but you know, we're talking about gear and we're, you know, we're getting hyped up on, on cool stuff. And a lot of us, it's, it's really easy to look at things through bigger eyes when you're, when you're just talking about it. So I can talk about a $300 course pedal I want, you know, but his question was, are we spending too much money on pieces of gear like a $300 course pedal versus, you know, a boutique pedal versus a, a boss course pedal? Like are, is, are we, are, are we succumbing to that? And it doesn't really, how much does it matter? And, and, you know, I just thought that was a provocative question. So I'm, uh, thanks a lot, Jonathan uh, Drusick for sending that out. Um, and I think that's probably one that we'll tackle uh, sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Nick, what are, what are your th- brief thoughts on that real quick? Uh, it's a great question. And my feeling is that there's almost zero correlation between price and musicality of gear. That um, the main reason to buy, you know, cool, fancy, horribly expensive boutique gear is because you like cool, fancy, horribly expensive boutique gear. You know, it's yeah. really secondary to music. And and you can get certain things that sound a certain way or look a certain way. And that yeah. does matter to people. It certainly yeah. does to me sometimes sure. uh, that you can't get otherwise. You may also in some, maybe a lot, but definitely some cases get a higher build quality and durability. 
but you don't you definitely don't need any of that to make great music and it doesn't make you necessarily sound quote better agreed mm-hmm. um yeah it'd be really interesting if there were if you just had a, a bunch of pedals that didn't have um cases you know if oh, they that's were... been that's been done with uh you know tube screamer variants and sure on clones and yeah it, it, it never works out the, the way that uh, people who like to spend a lot of money on gear wish it would but yeah i'm sure you know the way my dad was he would he would buy a brand and uh, my grandma the same way they would buy a brand of something they would yeah. and if they had a good buying experience good customer yeah. service they yeah. would buy from that brand forever they yeah. would yeah. be loyal so i think people yeah. with that kind of mindset if they buy something from joe boutique guy yeah, uh, they're gonna stick with them and not yeah. care what other people are paying. Yeah. So, but it's also about style. It's like collecting anything. You know, oh, yeah. it's partly about the the object. It's not always about how it functions or mm-hmm. that alone. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and you know, I failed to mention this at the beginning. Hopefully, everybody is still interested. If you did click on this podcast, which I hope you did, because that's how you're listening, <laughs> um, you would have seen the uh, the description. Uh, I failed to mention this, and I apologize. So Nick uh, is one of the pioneers of the YouTube guitar world, and uh, we will get into that uh, at length uh, in a little bit. But um, he's uh, he's definitely a a huge presence uh, on YouTube as far as guitars go. So we uh, we've referenced him many times, and I thought, you know what, I bet he'd be great on the show. So here we are, and we're talking. Here we um, are. So let's see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, so one of our guests that we had, Rattlesnake Cables, um, if you haven't signed up for their newsletter, I highly suggest doing so. Guys, and I'm sure there's some girls out there too, I'm just saying I know because I'm a guy, I can't speak for women, but... Guy's mindset is a little bit different. We don't necessarily sign up for every newsletter that comes flying our way. Uh, but I highly suggest you do for uh, Rattlesnake. They've been sending out um, some really fantastic deals on excellent, excellent quality cables. And um, that's it. No affiliation, not sponsored, nothing like that. Just good stuff. If you haven't checked them out yet, please check them out. They're, yeah. they're just something else. Yeah, cables. they are. I actually use those cables. That's that's what I've been using in my rig for a while. Yeah, we referenced yeah. your video up there uh, during yeah. that episode, actually. That's yeah. when you saw that huge boost in your viewers. And I do not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do not believe in, um, you know, cable snake oil. And these guys are snake oil free. And what they're charging you for is just a really durable build and a very cool look. Agree. Agreed. Um, okay, well, I mean, that's that's a lot of just the... Hey, what's going on things? Um, as I said, we're wrapping up 2016. I have a goal for for downloads that I'm really, really hoping to hit this year. And um, well, it's the first year. It's not like this year as opposed to other years. This is our first year and we're still, we're still fledglings in this. We're young sprouts, uh, especially compared to Nick here. So um, we're grateful to everyone who has been downloading. We continue to uh, uh, hope that you do and to share, uh, spread the word. Uh, So let's get into what has been going on in our music worlds at the moment. 
And I'm going to spin the imaginary wheel of who do I point to? Jeff. So what I've been playing with outside of the guitar itself. Careful. Was <laughs> a piece of software called Max for Live. So if anybody who has Ableton, they probably know what Max for Live is. It is basically a, a piece of software that you can use and you basically, you dive under the hood and build your own type of sounds through it. Ooh. Effects, whatever. I've always been intrigued by the idea of building my own effects, but my electronic knowledge is, you know, just enough not to get me probably killed or electrocuted. So I thought, well, I could do this digitally and it might end up a little bit better. So I've been playing, learning a lot about how to do it. It's, it's almost as complex to me as building a, a circuit. It's, you know, the imaginary stuff that happens when you put all these components together. What do they do? It's kind of the, the same deal. So it's complex underneath the skin of it, and there's a lot to learn. So just I just peeked under the surface and, like, this is So obviously you want to be, be a pedal guy and kind of advanced in knowing how these things work to begin with. Uh, it's, it's a little bit, like, one step higher than just pedal because it's... Like, you know, pedal is like this capacitor, this resistor, and this op amp do these things. I don't know. I know what they do, but I don't know how to put them together to make them do what I want them to do. Like, yeah. It's like learning what another language. Like, yeah, I know the words. I know what they mean, but I can't put them together to form a sentence. Mm -hmm. Same same kind of deal. So Max for Live, they have like, they're like pre-built components already. So like they've already attached a bunch of capacitors and resistors to make this thing that does this. So then you can take that and connect it to something else. Like, uh, you know, you can take this thing that modifies the wave form and attach it to this other thing that is an LFO that does something to that waveform and then output it to a different thing and connect all these things together to make some nonsense. So that's what I've been trying to learn. So it's kind of like electronic legos or um what is it called smart circuits kids yeah use. yeah similar like, like the thing you buy at radio shack when you know back in the 80s and 70s yeah very yeah. similar so it's been uh it's challenging for sure just because there's a lot to understand and figure out how to use it and how to connect things but for those uh, who don't know or aren't familiar based on uh previous recordings that we've had jeff is uh the resident i think digital music guy here uh, he, he spends the most time yeah definitely around with that for sure yeah <clears throat> for sure jared what's going on well i got a couple of things going on so i'm gonna save one of those things for the next podcast okay. but anyway <laughs> okay <laughs> so i've been uh talking about this um uh this this neck this really cool uh stratocaster neck that uh, i bought off of eBay, I, I don't even remember when, but it had this mad bird's eye maple and uh, flame going on, and I had it refinished, and uh, I got the body, and um, it uh, it looks old and checked. So I got this not uh, the matching body, but a new different body. Right? Just yeah, a new body, and it's it's kind of like a like a uh, oh what is it? It's a vintage. Uh, crazy green color. What what do they call that? You Some mean of like seafoam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like okay. seafoam green. Yeah, and, uh, it looks really really cool. So I, I that guitar is done. Um, 
and uh, I put a set of my pickups in it, my um, mid scoop, so that the thing sounds pretty cool. It's, it's nice to have a guitar with those pickups in it around the shop. And yeah. Finally, um, but this is a really great guitar. It looks cool. It's it's got to bring it in so we can check it out. Take no, definitely. Of it, put it up it's on, uh, it's nice and light. It plays it plays pretty good. It's I I don't know. I, I don't even remember who made the neck, but it um, it wasn't done historically correct. But I don't really care. And it's got a weird feel. You could tell somebody just it it wasn't a specific shape. It, but it's great for what it is, and I really like it. I really enjoy That's it. That's all that matters, man. Yeah. It's a great guitar. Cool. Nick, do you have it? I'm sure you've got a few jalopy uh, guitars. <sighs> yeah, I do. In fact, uh, until relatively recently, that's kind of mostly what I played. It was yeah. kind of weird. I like guitars with character, and yeah. I'm weirdly cheap about buying solid body guitars for some reason. But then... Pat Marriott Coop built me a guitar and insisted on sending it to me. He said, look, I think you're going to like it, but I don't really care if you do or not. I'm sending you one. <laughs> so, <laughs> And it was awesome. So That's now cool. I play two of his mostly. Nice. But not always, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think one of my, just a tiny tangent, I, uh, one of my favorite ones that you've had on there that you've played, uh, it's been one of your favorites, I think, is the one with the uh, the plaid underneath the pickguard. Yeah, yeah. I um, I well, I actually had two. One I made a pickguard, and then he made one for me. But then I I put a different pickguard on that. Uh, it's the thin line with the lower trines. That's pretty much what I use for everything these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he, uh, as I recall, that was like it was the fabric from your favorite jacket or something. Well, it was a shirt. Okay. Uh, on the first one, and yeah. then it was a jacket I sent to him on the second one, a jacket I'd had since <laughs> high school that That's he cut awesome. up and made a pick card from it. So. It's funny when you said that because I remember I had a kind of like a, a, I guess you could call a driver's jacket um, yeah. that was similar to that, very similar. It was like, you know, a, a turquoise and a baby blue kind of yeah. plaid. And yeah. I instantly, I saw that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that looks like my... That was my favorite jacket when I was in, in uh, junior high school. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Nick, what are you? What's going on in your music world right now? Let's see. Um, I just got back from a short trip to New York. Me and Becca was my partner, and we collaborated in a couple of the bands I play in. Um, went out to do a session with this awesome young um, kind of indie soul artist named Zen Anton, and we like very quickly in like a four hour session uh, wrote. Uh, and recorded basic tracks for three uh, songs that's going to be on an EP. That was super fun. He's a really creative dude, and he works very much like we do, which is he's kind of impatient, and he doesn't overthink shit. So, oh, yeah. excuse me. He doesn't it's overthink right. stuff, and we just <laughs> kind of right. move, moved along. So that was fun. Um, I have a little gig at a Toys for Tots thing coming up with the rock trio I play with called X-Slave. That's on Sunday, and... <laughs> Uh, Pancake Seven, which is the larger band that I lead here with Becca, um, it's like more of a funk rock psychedelic band. Um, we're just kind of got through some gigs and starting to work on um, on doing some more recording that uh, eventually we'll probably see album form. But we usually release things these days as singles on YouTube, actually, and on Bandcamp. So we're doing some of that. Um, some other stuff going on with some hip hop projects here, and making videos. And lesson videos as well as gear videos. So yeah, mm -hmm. um, 
I can imagine you are staying pretty pretty busy with that. Um, I try. We'll, I try. We'll yeah. get into just how busy and why soon. Um, so uh, let's see. What I got going on is I just bought a four by twelve cab, empty cab, slant cab, um, uh, not for typical purposes. What we are doing, um, if you. If you heard uh, one of our earlier episodes, I believe it was episode nine, part one and two. We not you, not specifically just you, Nick, or <laughs> just Nick. You just yeah. Anyways, um, but for anybody that that uh, heard that, that's when we interviewed David Harris, and we recorded that in uh, in Circa Studios here at in Columbus, and Mark. Uh, who Mark Desenzo, who runs that, is um, somewhat of a of a crazy music genius, um, and I had to uh, in previous episodes I was trying to put together a, a new cabinet um, for the new amp that I got, and I'm not a speaker expert. I'm not a sp- I'm not an expert on anything. Let me just be complete. I might be an expert on cheeseburgers. <laughs> but I'm definitely not an expert at any of this, and uh, I don't think any of us claim to be. So the part of what we do is the quest for knowledge and, and being open. And so I said, who can I talk to about speakers? Because I've, I've, I've been blinded by how much time I've spent looking on YouTube for that. And Mark immediately dumped encyclopedic knowledge of speakers. I was like, Okay, wait, we got to do some episodes about this. <laughs> so <clears throat> as soon as I said that, I hit uh, Craigslist, and uh, poof, there it was, uh, a, a nice cabinet that was sitting there from a, a local guy. And um, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple of episodes just based on, based on speakers, kind of like we did on the for the pickup. So it'll be Speakers 101, and we're going to have a couple different topics. You know, I don't have a lot of knowledge about speakers. I'm really looking forward well, to Well, you that should myself. listen to the episodes then. I definitely will. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm excited about that, uh, and we'll get, we'll get a ton of really great content out of there. And that's what I have been up to um, most recently. So with that, and no further ado... Uh, I'm going to reintroduce our guest today, Nick Jaffe of Just Nick uh, on YouTube. And it's Just Nick Music on YouTube. Sorry, I want to make that abundantly clear. And I'm going to tell you guys a few things that I, a few factual things that I think will sum up exactly, you know, without me blabbering on. Uh, Nick joined YouTube in 2006 and that's that might be there might be some people who weren't even born then listening maybe Probably. a couple nine-year-olds out there maybe there's got to be a lot of nine-year-olds yeah um and uh that's still pretty early I mean think about it like I think right around that time YouTube actually just sold to Google at that point so he has uh, uh, over 50,000 subscribers, 52,573 <laughs> to be exact, uh, and a staggering... Wait, I just subscribed again. Oh, <laughs> 52,574. 
uh, and a staggering seven million five hundred seventy nine thousand one hundred seventy six views as, as as of the last couple minutes. Hmm. Um, it, that is that's a lot. That's a lot for very specific content. It's really easy for somebody to do, you know, like. I got a pan, I got a pineapple. And I was like, yeah, he's got 10 million views right out the gate. But it's nonsense. It's garbage, right? This is real That content. sounds pretty awesome. I haven't seen that one, but it sounds pretty freaking awesome. Oh, man. You you got to watch that. And what's, okay. what's great is that is that there's been a ton of spinoffs, most notably like, like death metal versions of it, which are fantastic. Awesome. Um, and... Uh, I think the this this is the big one. This is a big one. All right, you know anybody who is doing uh, output of of content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a blog, whether it's Vine or Instagram or anything, one of the one of the most uh, time consuming things to do is video. And Nick, you've got over twelve hundred. <laughs> 12, and you know, I only started about a little bit more than four years ago making guitar videos. That's crazy. You That's think it sounds lot. crazy to you. I, <laughs> I thought you hit were off. I'd, like when I saw you sent me that email, just kind of checking the facts. And yep. I looked at that. I was like, oh, he's off by a decimal point. And I was like, wait a minute. I do have that many videos. That is scary to me, actually. I, thought, I was like, I, I, in my head, I still have like 120 videos. Yeah, no, you got twelve hundred, man. And here's the That's deal, horrifying. everybody. That is a horrifying amount of Nick Jaffe. Oh my god, <laughs> these aren't like ten minute videos. Uh, I know they should these, be. <laughs> these are these are long. They're incredibly informative, and that's the reason that we're talking to you. Look, you are you are a cornerstone of the guitar world in oh media. God. I mean, for real. That's very it's very kind of you to say. It's very hard to, you know, think of myself that way, but I do appreciate the the sentiment. Thank you. I, you know, I don't I can't I have learned so much just watching your videos. No oh, joke. And I'm so glad to hear I, it. as I was telling the guys, I said, "Hey, we're going to interview this guy." And I, I needed to qualify just uh we were all relatively familiar with you, but um I think it was it's worth pointing out that I mean I would go out on a limb and say pretty much if you went and just and had never played guitar, bought a guitar, and sat down and watched your channel alone, you would pretty much be as knowledgeable as just about anybody out there mm. with a guitar. Well, that's kind of you to say. There's not am- much that you haven't covered. You've got lessons. You cover uh, gear demos. You cover theory. You cover understanding basics. Those are some of the more valuable ones, I, I think, you know, to be honest. Um, uh, understanding the mechanics, bits and bobs about guitar. It's just like there's there's not a lot that you haven't covered. So uh, I'm being emphatic about this because I think there are a lot of places that you can, uh, a lot of channels that you can check out on YouTube that can give you some information. And... Um, Jeff, I want you to do me a favor real quick. Yes, sir. Just type in guitar in the YouTube search and tell me how many results you get. Ooh, 67,500,000. 67,500,000. I can tell you unequivocally that 
of those 67, 5 million, 100,000, wait, that's, that's not that's even a number. Close, <laughs> pretty close to what you said. Yeah. That, that I, I, I can't think of too many other people that have the quantity and quality of content out there. It's really easy to say, hey, check out this pedal once or twice and then kind of be done. But f to be able to, to do this consistently and to do it well for as long as you have, I am very grateful for the work that you put out there. And I well, know the rest I'm, of us are too. I'm very grateful that anybody and especially interesting people like you are even the least bit interested and watch. I'm super grateful. Oh, I haven't watched any of them. Cool no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I haven't, I haven't either. <laughs> no, I, I, I it's, it's kind of weird because when you, you know, we have such access to media and, and, and uh, things now. So like after I watch, you know, I've watched a whole bunch of these and, um, to a certain degree, you start becoming familiar with the person that you're watching or listening to. Oh, yeah. And then when I sure. called you on Skype, there you were. And I was like, oh, wait, but that's really him right there. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a trip. So, it, you know, that was really, that was a fun moment for me. Um, We've spent a lot of time together, Nick. You just don't <laughs> exactly. know it. Um, so uh, let's go over kind of a little bit about you, kind of get an understanding of a, of a few different things. I sure. think... It is always infinitely interesting to hear from people what their guitar background is. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, like, how did you start? Sure. Oh, that's a question. That's a question. Um, I started playing guitar in high school. When I was a, a kid, I played flute, actually, both classical, and I kind of dabbled in some Latin stuff because I had this uh, instructor who years later I found out was this awesome figure in the New York Latin soul scene in the 70s. But at the time, he didn't he didn't tell me. But um, the reason I picked up flute, and this is like the dumbest reason you could possibly have, is I liked the shape and size of the case. Like <laughs> you had to pick an instrument for band when I was a little kid. And I was like, oh, that, that looks easy to carry. It looks a little bit like a submachine gun and um, has a strap. I'll take that one. Um, so it's probably I a better choice flute. than the tuba, right? <laughs> Definitely. But in, uh, you know, when I was in uh, high school, um, you know, I was in all kinds of music and I went to see um, the, the Clash and at the time oh, the uh, Memphis uh, Stax, uh, Memphis Soul Act, uh, Sam and Dave were touring with a big band of um, uh, Memphis Session guys, some guys who went back to the Stax days and they opened the Undertones, which was a northern uh, Irish um, punk band open. And then after that, Sam and Dave with this big horn section. And I'd never heard of them. I didn't know what it was. And I just was so blown away by their performance. And in particular, I don't even know who the guitarist was. It was an older dude. It definitely wasn't Steve Cropper, but it was somebody. And I was just blown away with how the guitar was being used rhythmically. And I was like, oh, fuck, I want to do that. And I enjoyed the class show after that, but I was totally fixated on kind of clean, bright, percussive, funk and soul guitar. And I ran home, tried to start figuring out how to, uh, you know, get a guitar that I could start learning on and just started playing. 
Um, and that's, that's how I got started. And I, I played in high school, you know, in bands and college some, and then I kind of stopped, you know, I played a little on my own, but I was a aircraft mechanic for about 11 years, um, after college and, uh, working for the airlines. And, um, I kind of dropped out of music except for playing on my own, but I, I was still, you know, way into music and I got back into it through recording actually when the first, uh, Roland uh, VS series uh, digital workstation started coming out. I got real interested in recording. I'd done a lot of recording at home in high school using these two tape decks that ran at different speeds. So I had to like retune for every tape. Oh man! And I I still have cassettes of terrible things that I made at that time when I was in high school, or just horrifying things, um, <clears throat> which will never be released. Actually, I should release them. <laughs> at um, least one. And uh, I, maybe all of them. And uh, the recording kind of got me both into, um, you know, thinking about how to play guitar, but also thinking musically about sort of the technological and technical side of music. And I got so interested in, um, you know, sort of audio engineering stuff and acoustics that when I got laid off from the airlines after 9-11, I started trying to do some in-school teaching. And um, began uh, over the next 11 years a, a kind of part of my work, which ended up being working in public schools in Chicago, setting up student-run recording studios. And that kind of got me back into making music in bands and working in studios some as an engineer. And, um, you know, I have, you know, after uh, that layoff, I just kind of figured I, I'm going to try to make this work full time. And the teaching helped a lot with that. Um, and playing a lot of music in Chicago, uh, you know, mostly soul, funk, R&B and hip hop as far as the professional stuff, but also doing some improvisational kind of more experimental stuff and, you know, some rock projects here and there. And that's kind of how I ended up, uh, yeah, a guitar player for better or worse. Nice. Who, uh, so, uh, who were some of the year, uh, major influences earlier? Right. Well, I think that the first uh, record that I sat down to try and figure out was actually the Sex Pistols album because I, I could tell there were only three to four chords involved and I knew how to play an E-shaped bar chord and a six-string root power chord. And this uh, friend of mine's little brother uh, had a like a Fender Mustang, some kind of a like student model guitar. And he rented it to me for a month for 30 bucks. That and a distortion plus and a little practice amp of some kind. So that was and your I, first guitar? Yeah, yeah. And, and I borrowed it from or rented it from the studio. punk for charging me because he never played it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and but I never I heard of that, it. man. I never, yeah. I mean. <laughs> it was from, a little weird. From a he professional kind of music store, weird. maybe, but. Yeah, he yeah, was a little weirdo. But um, I needed it. You know, I was like, I got to get my hands on an electric guitar right now. And right. I think I was 14 or I just turned 15. And so I sat there and, you know, as soon as I realized you could just move this chord shape around, you know, pretty quickly I had, you know, most of the riffs on the Sex Pistols record. And then I started listening to a lot of, you know, um, 60s and 70s soul and funk and um, got way into Curtis Mayfield. And nobody had told me, and there was no interwebs at the time to speak of, that, um, you know, the dude used all kinds of crazy alternate tuning. So I, you know, spent like the rest of my life trying to figure out how he was doing what he did and making up my own versions of Curtis Mayfield stuff. And and it went from there. I was really into um, kind of, you know, funk and R&B 
of the eighties and into the nineties and, um, influences a lot from that world. But I listened to a lot of players who weren't guitar players that influenced me, you know, a lot of, you know, trumpet players, for instance, always liked miles and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. Freddie Hubbard, the way they like phrased and the types Mm -hmm. of lines they played. And, um, guitar players, I usually like loud, you know, kind of edgy sort of ones with a lot of character. Like, um, you know, I listened to, I did listen to a lot of MC five when I was a kid. Um, and, um, you know, people like Paul Weller and, um, <clears throat> you know, the Stooges was a big part of my oh, yeah. growing up. I was way into Lou Reed. So whoever was playing guitar for him or his guitar playing was really big for me. Um, but mostly it was just listening to music and trying to figure out like what kind of music I understood like, oh, okay, I kind of get what's happening there with the guitar. It doesn't sound horribly out of reach and difficult. Maybe I could learn to do that. And those were the things I'd attack. You know, I did listen to a lot of, you know, electric blues from the 50s and 60s and some more contemporary stuff as well to try and, you know, figure that stuff out. So are you you self-taught pretty much? You yeah, learn yeah, by I, ear? Um, yeah, I mostly learned by ear. And I didn't learn to read for guitar until relatively recently because, you know, I could read for flute, but I just never did. And I was, to my detriment, self-taught. So there's kind of a lot of gaps in sort of what I understand and what I can do. But um, mostly by ear off of records. I didn't really know anybody that well who played guitar. Um, and the bands I formed were usually with non guitarists, which seems kind of weird to me now. But, um, I did then study, you know, years later when I got back into music in Chicago, um, with a couple different people and that was super helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's not unlike, I think much of our audience. Uh, yeah. I know for me personally, there's at the bottom of our website, um, yeah, I actually put a quote that I remember seeing in a, in a guitar shop, um, I, you know, as a kid, you don't have any money, but you keep going to the guitar shop because you're like, I want to be part of this somehow. Right. And uh, oh, man. I remember there was a magazine rack and on the cover was it was guitarist of the the decade and it was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I grabbed it and buried my nose in it. And then there was a pull quote and it may have ruined me my guitar life i'm not sure (laughs) but it says um in the quote on the bottom of our site is i play guitar like i'm falling down a flight of stairs and i hope to land on my feet yeah and i was like that's just like me (laughs) i mean i love that quote oh it's fantastic that is that is really how in most genres not all i'm saying most popular genres in most genres based in you know the blues um, that's the right way to play, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you that's know, exactly the right um, way. I wish I would have tempered that with a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more actual knowledge. But um, I think you know it's tough because I think a lot of us probably get started. We've talked to many people. We get started on like you know violin. I got started on violin. Yeah. Um, we get you know, Jared got started on on violin. I too. still play it. You what? Yeah, I still play it. Again, you never cease to amaze me with the knowledge bombs you drop on us. Well, I'm not lying. You're a Pandora's box, man. No. A big one, but a Pandora's box nonetheless. Oh, yeah. He's about seven feet tall, just so you know. (laughs) I only do it at the privacy (laughs) of my own home and and around family, but no, you won't see me videos or tapes or anything. Okay. Um, 
it, it, and I think one of the things that that you either take to it and you and you are fostered in it because they your parents or whomever sees sees that as oh they're they're taking to this I'm going to make sure that um, you know we fertilize this as best we can so uh, or you say ah and you're like I can't do this. <laughs> You know, um, and and you say I don't I don't like this I don't like trying to have to read music so you shun it you know right. It, it, right. it seems like most people are in one of the two of those schools right. um, or you may I may maybe you've never been exposed to it at all ever I guess that's yeah. a third school I, I had a piano teacher tell my mom like this is this is Jared's last lesson. He doesn't read music. That piano teacher took my book when I was looking and turned it upside down. Yeah. Told me to play the song. I played the song all the way through, and I was looking at the the music but yeah. not reading it. Yeah. And she said, Jared, I'm sorry. I cannot teach you. You're not reading the music. Yeah. Well, and it was, that was probably it. problematic because you were playing a violin. Oh, no. <laughs> I started out piano. And, I don't know, first side. grade. Yeah, go ahead. Any teacher worth his or her salt should understand that that's completely reversed because you can much more easily learn to read and begin to generalize in you know theory terms mm -hmm. if you have that ear but I, going yeah. from reading to the ear is much more difficult you know yeah. any kid that can do it without reading is a kid you can easily teach to read Absolutely. and you should privilege the ear stuff for sure yeah my brother supports that point he, yeah. he said the same thing yeah. So. yeah. You mentioned the ear, which is to me the most important part of playing. Yeah. And I haven't I haven't personally been able to grasp the the ear part. Mm -hmm. Cuz you just sometimes, you know, you sit down, you play the same stuff over and over. Mm -hmm. Are there techniques that you've acquired over the years that helped you learn by ear, that taught you by ear, that took you to that next level? That's a really interesting question. I don't believe that you don't grasp the ear part. I think um, I've never I've met a lot of people who tell me they have no ear or they're not musical. And usually when we sit down to work on something, it be quickly becomes apparent that that's not true, because if you listen to music and you like music, you've got an ear and you've got taste. You know what you like and what you don't like. And you're hearing things that, you know, give you that sense of you're connecting or you're not connecting. That's all an ear is. Now, sure, there's technical aspects to developing ear, being able to hear certain intervals or certain progressions and sequences, recognize patterns. That comes with experience and also really does help if you have somebody there to sort of point them out to you, to help you generalize what you're already hearing and help you develop the vocabulary. But usually when people say they don't have an ear, it's either because they're worried they don't have an ear or it's because they what they mean is they don't have the words with which to generalize about things that they're hearing. They can't they can't put the label on it, but they're already hearing And Most kids, for instance, you know, I've worked with kids as young as, you know, four or five years old recording original music, having them compose and record and they have an incredible ability to recognize patterns and even duplicate them or generate their own. The only thing they lack often is the terminology with which to describe them. And I think that that's often the case for a lot of adults who feel that, you know, they're lacking in that ear. That's not a very helpful answer in terms of techniques. I think it really comes down to listening to a lot of music 
and not, um, you know, not setting the bar too high right away, you know, figuring out simple things that you kind of almost already know, but sort of working through them a little bit patiently and with time to say, all right, what's, what's going on here? What, what pitches are these actually, you know, and where could I play them on the guitar? That type of thing. That's a solid answer. I, when Jeff said that, so Jeff and I have played in a, a, a couple of bands together and, uh, I, you know, he's got great finger feel and mm-hmm. I watch him play and I'm like, doggone it. Why can't I play like that? He's and a good picker. When man. he says, I got no ear. I, I, I only know how to do by ear. Mm-hmm. So here's you know. the, here's the difference, I guess. in in my struggle of, learning and getting to the next level is Mm -hmm. the yeah the fingering the technical piece yeah Mm -hmm. but the learning the right note at the right time part Mm. right is to me the most frustrating and the hardest part and i guess the one way that i think is probably the maybe one of the better ways to do it is you actually have to put together you know chord progressions or whatever Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. try to play over top of them Mm -hmm. and then Either you listen to it and you say, that sounds good, or have someone else listen to it and say, that sounds horrible. And mm-hmm. then try to understand why did that note not work and this one does, right? Yeah. So right. that to me is the, it's like an ongoing forever process trying to figure that out. And is there, Absolutely. A, is there a quicker way to do it? Why <laughs> yeah. can't it just happen faster? Well, yeah, I, I think it is an endless process. I mean, that's basically all I'm ever trying to do is play the right note at the right time, right? Yeah, and um, I'm just and, trying to uh, look cool. <laughs> well, I've already given up on that one. So, um, but a lot of my um, lesson videos, you know, and most of them are play along type format, right? That's right. kind of what we're doing. Is what's the right note at the right time? Are there ways we can generalize using theory to suggest some directions? Yeah. But you also don't want to lock yourself too much in either on the technical side to certain fingerboard patterns or on the theory side to certain rules. Those rules are useful to make generalizations about how different pitches or combinations of pitches relate or how mm-hmm. things relate rhythmically. But you also don't want them to hem you in um, from possible discovery. So it's a kind of a question of getting that balance between being able to see things in terms of what you already know and recognize, but being able to play spontaneously enough that you're able to find things that might be outside of that, that work, that are new, that are fresh. And I think it, you know, the more one can play with people who you'll like the way they play or they play better than you, they have more experience, um, or the more if you don't have the opportunity to play with other people, the more that you can really begin to record, write things, even if they're fragments, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you don't think you're ever going to complete anything, to put things together and get that critical distance to listen to yourself as if you're listening at a distance, you're in the audience that's why I always tell people on the on the lesson vids is, you know, the, the only kind of really intense discipline that I think is useful and important for learning guitar. It's not so much about practicing scales, you know, for hours and hours a day, unless you you know, if you want to play classical guitar, you probably need that level of technique. Um, and it certainly helps in other genres. You know, if you really want to shred, yeah, you need to put in that time. But as far as musicality goes, the real discipline you need is to be able to constantly push yourself to listen to what you're doing with some kind of distance, to hear yourself as the audience hears you in context. Mm -hmm. So sort of, and and it's a really hard thing to do, and it's hard for experienced musicians as well, maybe even harder because you got a lot of ego involved. You know, you're too focused on, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it well? Am I sounding good? As opposed to 
you know, kind of flipping all that off and just listening to yourself as if somebody else is playing. And you'll very quickly, you know, if, if one does that over and over again, every time you get in a musical situation, try to do that, at least for a few moments, um, you very quickly start to hear yourself differently and hear, oh, okay, I like that. I don't like that. And I'm going to do more of that and less of that mm-hmm. type of thing. I, I think uh, one of the things that is so helpful in doing kind of being able to practice in a way that um, allows you to uh, be kind of ride that that line of being experimental but mm-hmm. not fall down a rabbit hole of just playing kind right. of the same thing is right. is just you know dropping chords on a looper pedal and oh, uh, hell yeah. and then just noodling on top absolutely and then uh, you know sometimes Santa's you'll bringing s- me one <laughs> right and and you'll stumble into things i always tell students you know give yourself enough freedom to stumble into something uh-huh. stop for 30 seconds or a minute and figure out what you just did and get it under your fingers in a more controlled way but then move right on and get back into it you know you yeah. don't want to again pull things out and make them too technical you always want to do things in context and as dynamically as possible as much of the time as possible yeah for sure i think that's an important one is understanding what you just did because yeah. you do something you're like, oh, that sounded good, and then you immediately forgot, right. and moved on to the next part of it, like that next phrase. Right. And like, that's, and that's the utility of reading and theory. It's not essential by any means to play in the genres I play in. That's for sure. And I, some of the best musicians I play with can't read at all. I've even played with guitarists and bass players who are phenomenal, who don't even know the fretboard. Um, but the advantage of those types of knowledge and those types of systems is that you can generalize. So you did something, you know, that is an interval you like, well, now you can very quickly move it to other strings and move it to other registers or transpose it. And so you become much more flexible with the things you discover. Well, let me ask, how did you acquire the skills that you have? <laughs> well, the, the first point to make, and, and I don't say this to be falsely modest at all, but I'm not a particularly technical guitar player. You probably noticed that if you've watched watched any of my videos. Um, I'm not a particularly fast guitar player. I'm not a particularly clean guitar player. The thing that I've tried to do from the very beginning, because to be honest, I was really intimidated. I bought this great George Benson record called Body Talk. Um, that is a, a kind of a, it's almost like a jazz funk album he did in the late seventies. And I really liked the sound of it. But what the dude was doing was just, I was like, there's no way that I can even understand that because at the time I had very little understanding of, um, jazz chord progressions even. Mm. Um, so from the beginning I was like, all right, my thing's going to have to be kind of working with what I've got. And that was just kind of my impulse anyway. You know, let me, let me see what I can do with a little bit. You know, and um, it suits the type of music I'm into um, and tend to enjoy playing the most. And it also suits the fact that I've never been a particularly technically skilled player. I'm always working on it. I would like to be, you know, I, I, I would like to be able to play faster. Mm. But but the, the upside has been that I, you know, by of necessity, especially when playing in professional contexts, have had to really focus on the right note at the right time thing, and also sounding like myself, um, which is something I look to do mm-hmm. um, consciously as much as possible, even in context where what's going on. Like, for instance, I really like going into the studio with a client and having them, you know, just 
drill me for well that sounds wrong but you get my point <laughs> for, um, for two hours trying to get a solo or a part right because they keep changing their idea or they keep hearing different things i like that to me that is exciting to try and play what somebody else hears mm -hmm. yeah. but when they say okay now you do your thing um i try not to parody myself and just do the same old stuff but i do try to find something that sounds a little bit like me or like I like, I, I think of it that way more that it's less about me putting forward a, you know, a persona and more about me putting forward something that I think is interesting and, and adds to the whole. So I've kind of gone more in that direction and that's served me well enough professionally. I think having more skills is always a good thing because it gives you more options. The downside is as you get more skills, at least it's been my experience as I got better and more technically able um, it was harder to be efficient because you start playing things just cause you can. Um, there was a time when I had so few skills that I was like pretty decent minimalist guitar player. You know, <laughs> I had to, I had to make that one or two notes really count. Like I actually think I was a better blues player in high school because I didn't know any licks. Right. And yeah. so I just crank on the, I was like, oh, it sounds so cool when you bend it like this. And I just do that over and over again and hit the strings really hard. Mm -hmm. Now I can do a lot more, but it, you, I have to pay much closer attention to not just playing the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's so not the, easy to do. And it's not. It, it's so, hard. Yeah. So I think the answer has been, you know, what skills I have, I've gotten from, you know, listening to players I like and trying to listen really hard and also playing with people who are way more experienced and way more capable than me and trying to understand what they're doing. Um, but you know, I'm also have a lot of gaps in what I'm able to do. So a big part of it has been trying to work with what I've got in a way that adds to a musical whole. Yeah. Well, Nick, um, let's, let's, uh, this could easily go three hours, but we can't let it do that. Um, I'm riveted. I want to hear more. <laughs> um, but I, I think I, let's let's kind of transition over to how all of the stuff that you're talking about, all of your knowledge and all of your life experience with the guitar, et cetera, has poured over into one of the most successful guitar uh, YouTube channels out there. Um, I, I, I think, you know, it's... Anybody can record themselves. Anybody can spew out a, a little bit of common knowledge or maybe a trick or two that they've learned. I think one of the things that is uh, most important about your channel is that um, you're sharing like a lot of really solid knowledge, um, not just about playing either, like fundamentals of understanding uh, you know, understanding pickups, understanding how the mechanics and stuff work. I'm just curious, like, how have you gone about um, acquiring some of that gear knowledge and uh, stuff like that, you know, beyond the actual playing of it? Right, right. Well, you know, the whole YouTube thing, I don't, I don't know if this is maybe – given you too much background, but I am really like, if you told me four years ago, dude, you're going to have a YouTube channel with 1200 videos on it. I looked at you and thought you were insane or talking about somebody else. Mm -hmm. Cause I just never pictured myself doing any of that at all. But I am friends with, um, 
a guy named Heath Jensen who owns uh, my favorite guitar shop in the world, which is Rock and Roll Vintage in Chicago. And um, I used to hang out there probably more than I should have. And at a certain point, he said, listen, we're trying to get a little bit more internet presence and um, could you do some pedal demos? And I had very mixed feelings about it to begin with. You know, he was going to pay me per demo and stuff, but I didn't want to shill because I have a very love-hate relationship with the whole gear thing. Um, and, I, you know, I just worry a lot about people who, you know, especially people who are newer to guitar or more casual players getting too hung up on that when they could be really enjoying the playing a little more. And so I was worried about it. And I, I thought to myself, well, you know, I want to support the store. I want to make a little bit of cash. And I felt I could do it if he would let me pick the pedals. And if I could turn down a pedal, if I just thought it was badly built or, um, you know, not sufficiently musical that I would feel comfortable using it myself. So I set that criteria from the beginning. I'm only, and I, and I knew I couldn't really review stuff because a, you know, nobody's going to want to put up a, a pet, you know, in a commercial context, a, a video where you're slagging a pedal, but that wasn't even the main reason I didn't want to review stuff. Cause I'm like, whether I like this distortion or that distortion is entirely subjective, you know? So let me set a, a, a threshold. And as long as the pedal is well-built doesn't seem to be marketed by some shady dude um, and, you know, is reasonably reliable and doesn't, you know, it's not like impossible to pull a sound out of it that I could use, mm -hmm. then it's cool. If it's not, I'm not going to do that. And, and it's the same today, right? So I've sent back amps at great expense to myself because I always pay the postage because yeah. I was like, ah, I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking this on a gig. I'm not going to recommend this to someone. Yeah. But okay. How did I get the knowledge? Well, I, I have less knowledge than you think about guitar electronics. Um, what it is, is that, you know, when I worked for the airlines, um, I had a pretty good, uh, technical background, including some basic electronics and then aircraft related electronics. And then I taught for three years as a tech crew chief instructor at American airlines teaching avionics. So I got a relatively solid fundamental understanding of electronics, um, and electricity. So when technical topics would come up around guitar, like I wanted to learn for myself, you know, what I, you know, which capacitor I needed to throw, you know, on as a treble bypass so that I could, uh, you know, uh, not get so muddy and then, well, why is that the value and exactly what's going on here? Or even right. something simple, like why does capacitance, like I remember thinking to myself when I was still working at the airline, wait a minute, you know, capacitors, uh, you know, conduct better at higher frequencies. So why is it making my guitar muddy when I have more capacitance? And I started looking at the cable and I'm like, oh, it's shunting the highs to ground. It is conducting better at high frequencies, but it's essentially that shield and the main conductor are two plates of a capacitor. And so the high frequencies are getting shunted. More of them are getting shunted to ground. That type of thing I was able to fit it into a framework so that if somebody would ask me something on the forums or something, I'd go look it up, research it. But I had that basic electricity knowledge to be able to make some sense of it. I didn't actually have any experience like, you know, customizing guitars or building pedals. Um, it was more a question of just kind of being curious and having enough of the fundamental stuff to be able to make some sense of it. And that's still where I'm at. You know, I'm not, you know, I have done you know, a reasonable amount of audio engineering and teaching, et cetera. But I'm by no means an expert at any of that stuff. 
I'm just a dude who's curious and has a reasonably good understanding of uh, basic electricity and electronics. Yeah. Um, when you when you're talking about like a a lot of your demos, obviously you have mm -hmm. quite a few demo um, mm -hmm. videos. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are are some other really outstanding, purely demo uh, Gear Man Dude or not Gear mm -hmm. Man Dude, yeah Gear Man Dude, mm -hmm. um, great demo site mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know channel, fantastic. Sure, yeah, um, I love this stuff. And, I love his whole vibe. He's like, yeah, he's, he's funny and he's great. It, it, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. those things. And, yeah. and it's great if I want to just go, well, let me hear what that pedal sounds like. I think something else that you're bringing to the table that is hugely important, at least to somebody like me, because I'm curious, because I don't know all that stuff either, is yeah. you, you're, you're reviewing it from a subjective nature, mm -hmm. which means mm -hmm. these are my personal feelings about what I right. like or dislike. But you're also offering up um, an objective point of view, which would be saying, factually, this is what is going on with this pedal and why you may or may not like it or why it yep. may be the right thing for this, but not this or go with this. And yep. that's huge. That, that's, that's not something that everybody can do. And um, again, it's, it, it comes through. I, I love it when you... Uh, grab the, like, the, you know, the dry erase board. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, or, or some other, you know, um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to educate you right now. Um, yeah. and, and not, and again, I, I know where you're coming from, not from a, because I'm a, um, an expert on right. anything, but simply, like, the, the best way to, to share this with you as you're watching is to, yeah take it out of context a little bit yeah. and just have yeah. a little bit of lesson. And, yeah. and it's fantastic. Um, I'm so glad it comes across because I, you know, it very much feels like, Hey man, let's, let's sit down. I, I just figured out this cool thing, or I just thought mm -hmm. this through again and have it in a while. And I want to share it. That's how it feels. It doesn't, you know, I hope it doesn't come across as too pedantic, but usually I'm just like kind of excited about the thing. And mm -hmm. I, I often, you know, see so many guitarists kind of chasing their tails just because of just a, a, a unfamiliarity with a few basic concepts. You know, you don't have to be, you know, an electrical engineer to understand a few things that can really clarify how our tools work, yeah. you know, and how the rigs sound the way they do and cut through a lot of the BS. Um, yeah. And so I really when I discover stuff like that, I'm like, oh, man, this is really helpful. I try to put it out there, yeah. um, one form or another. Yeah. Well, and, and because you do, and because you, I think you've been, uh, like, as you said, like you're not going to put something out there that that you can't really stand behind, right? Um, yeah, no, absolutely not. That <laughs> I can't that, sleep if I do that. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm enough as, of a show. I mean, let's be, you know, honest here. I am kind of selling stuff, right? That's why gear vendors send me stuff. Sure. And, you know, pay me for my time to make a demo. So it is a sales pitch in a sense, but you know, I have to set that bar pretty high or I really feel like, you know, just an a-hole. Yeah. Um, if I'm pushing something that literally it's got to be something, cause I'm not actually that picky about gear. Like you can hand me your board and I'll be fine on the gig. I'll, I'll make it work. I, it's even kind of fun for me as long as everything on there kind of isn't going to break mm -hmm. and isn't just like incredibly stupid. Mm -hmm. And if so, that 
bar really is like this is stuff that I'll go on a gig or session with and feel fine with. Mm -hmm. And you decide for yourself whether it's the right sound for you. But if I don't do it that way, I feel like just yeah. – I have no business being on the interwebs. Well, I, I think that that's, that's evident and that's one of the reasons like if, if I'm looking for something like – um, uh, I don't know, you know, like pick up height or something like that. It's just, yeah. you know, whatever I, you know, in the results, I, first of all, I'm going to, I will often go to your channel for a lot of that stuff. But, um, if not, it's like, it, it's just like anything else. If you know that your experience, um, over and over is a good one and you can, and you're trusting of the knowledge that you're getting, and it's usually a little bit more, uh, informative, it's like, I know that that is a sound place to start from, and that's yeah. that's important. That's rare. That's that's important to me, man. And when I screw up, which happens all the time, oh man, I I really try to fix it. Like this one time, for instance, I uh, I did a demo of um, uh, BB's um, uh, what you call it, the uh, Sonic Stomp, right? Uh, which is essentially a phase-corrected EQ, right? And there's a lot of mystique around it going back to the rack units in the 80s, and and it, people get it confused with uh, exciter units and stuff like that. And a lot of people thought it was a magic box, and then a lot of other people were like, you guys, it's all snake oil because it's not a magic box. So I did a demo where I explained it, but not quite accurately. And the guy who designed it over at um, BBE uh, called me up. And said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that there's a couple, you know, misstatement. You know, you, you didn't have it quite right. And so th that was great. I mean, that's super exciting to me because, A, I don't want to be putting out wrong information. But, B, you know, I just learned something. Now I get this thing. Video comes down and we do, you know, do a new video. And um, that is really important to me because the last thing I want to do is spread more misinformation or dumb anything down. You know. Well, you know, thank God for people like you. Because to me, nowadays, you go to a big box store and more times than not, people aren't going to know the gear that they're selling to you. I might yep. put some screaming eagles behind that when that when you right there. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah. So, yeah, but I miss the days of the you go to the local guitar store and guy at this at the place that you know knows everything yeah. about everything in his store but right. like i said thank god you know for guys like you that you know uh do this type of thing on youtube yeah um so just really quickly on that nick mm -hmm. i i know i you know we can i've got so many questions that i'm trying sure. to edit right now but um sure so you've been doing this a while mm -hmm. um it's pretty solid um, I, you're not, hopefully you're not stopping anytime soon. Um, but I'm just kind of curious to know, like what, what's kind of the, do you see an evolution of the channel or, or what's next for you on this? Yeah. Well, um, I, I want to, if I, okay. So I have a long list of things that <laughs> I wish I had more time to do and I'm going to get to. One of them is, um, I want to do most of my, uh, lesson videos don't have any kind of sequence to them. I did do a series of short funk guitar ones that sequenced, right. but most of them are play alongs and they're designed so that players of very different levels can still access. You know, if you are at a level where you can play what I'm playing, you do that, but I make it really clear. You can also play half of what we're playing or even one note per bar, mm -hmm. you know, but what I want to do is 
a series of play along videos that are like you just bought your first guitar. You bought an acoustic at Walmart or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what to do. And we're going to start, you know, from day one playing music. You're going to pick that thing up and you're going to play on one string and you're going to figure out a bass line and we're going to make it groove over a beat. Um, because that's how I teach in person, whether it's, you know, private lessons or teaching in schools. You know, we're playing music from the beginning and we spend 80 to 90 percent of our time in a lesson playing music, even if you've never held a guitar in your life. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so I want to do uh, more uh lesson videos geared towards uh, beginners. Um, I also want to do lots more tech topic uh, videos dealing both with electronics and acoustics. Um, Man, uh, there's more and more crazy gear coming out all the time. And um, uh, definitely no shortage of that. (laughs) No shortage of that. And I'm both looking forward to and slightly dreading NAM. I'm going to be doing some demo work at NAM, and Beck and I are going to be doing a gig out there and some demos together because she uses guitars, uh, pedals on vocals all the time. Yeah. And uh, so there's an overwhelming amount of gear. And I, I think, uh, you know, so that's going to continue for sure. But, I, you know, I do look for different ways of getting at, you know, sort of what might be useful to people and interesting to people. I want to do more stuff about, you know, the various options you have in putting rigs together, the different ways of doing the live thing that there's, you know, no one right way. And there's ways to do it with no pedals. There's ways to do it with one. There's ways to do it with 30. Yeah. Um, and you can generalize certain principles from thinking that through. Yeah. I got an, an interesting challenge for you, maybe. Mm-hmm. So Please. songwriting and song yeah. creation yeah. It's something that has always fascinated me. Which came first, yeah. chicken or the egg? I don't know. Yeah. And we, like, I, you you said something before about spending so much time watching videos about gear and yeah. technique. Yeah. And yeah. I would love to see someone actually attacking the idea of songwriting and song yeah. creation in a way yeah. that that is compelling or makes sense. Yeah, so, I really want to do that. I've done some videos where I, I you kind of hang out. I do these weird videos that... I started doing and I imagine everybody would say, this is stupid and boring. Please stop. Like these videos where, you know, a producer would send me, you know, hip hop instrumental that they wanted guitar on. And so I just rolled a camera and, you know, we sit there together for half an hour working out the parts. Right. And the point is supposed to be that you watch. And if you want to figure out your own parts, you do that. Well, I want to take and I've done ones where I write a whole song and play the different instruments and stuff and talk a little bit about my particular process. But I would like it to be much more interactive and generalize more where I'm able to, um, you know, lay out some possible approaches that are systematic that you could use yourself if you're having trouble figuring out how to follow through and, you know, write an entire song. I'm not like a brilliant songwriter by any means, but I do have some ideas about ways people can attack that systematically. Yeah, I would like something, you know, really that talks about that and yeah. also the the interaction of people and yeah. how they spark each other or how they yeah. progress each other through a song. Yeah. That'd be awesome yeah. as well. And the other thing I'd like to do is, and I just haven't gotten around to working out the technical side of it, but I'd like to do more live stuff um, with interaction with the audience, um, both stuff where, you know, you can kind of sit in on a session or songwriting session and stuff where we're kind of hanging out, exchanging ideas. Because for me, absolutely the number one best thing about this YouTube thing is not the gear, which is pretty awesome and pretty much cured my gas. Um, 
now I just got into other hobbies <laughs> to spend my money on. Right. Um, so there's that, but um, that's all cool. But what it really has been has been meeting people, and this sounds warm and fuzzy, but I really mean it. Me- meeting people like you, I've met some of my most interesting musical collaborators in life, including two guys who are in uh, one of my bands here, and this guy I was just working with in New York, and people all over the friggin' world I've collaborated with musically through the YouTube channel. That's where I've met these people. So it's given me a musical life and connection to lots of different people that there's no way I would have had otherwise. Super and that's cool. the cool thing about it. Super yeah. cool. All right, Nick, thank you so much for, sure. um, you know, golly, you, you, you gave us a wealth of information and I know the three of us have many other questions written down right now that we just can't get to right now, but we'll have you back. How about that? I would love to come back anytime. And cool. I'm really, really honored that you even asked me and uh, what you're doing is super cool. And I just like the whole vibe. So thanks anytime. Thanks. Yeah. And if you ever come up this way, we got to hang, we got to make some music. Oh maybe yeah. Or to hit record. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we got um, a studio right here in the basement. So. So let's, let's get, uh, you know, we always wrap up our show with our top four. Mm-hmm. And um, we are gonna uh, the top four this the uh, for this episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna spit it out. I promise. Our top four is your yeah, <laughs> your oh your super oh cheap guitar of choice under 150 bucks, like right. Craigslist style. Somehow right. I'll I'll consolidate that uh, when I put it out on the on the episode. But so. Once again, your top choice, right? Super cheap guitar right. under 150 bucks. Right. Think Craigslist. Think uh, Music Go Round or yep. your local pawn shop. Yep. That's right. And Jeff, I don't know if this meets the 150 buck mark, but some type of Fender Jaguar Squire. Ooh, might be out of range for that. It might be. Just what bit. about one from Not Japan? Unless you found one that was written. Run over by a truck, but there are the like two, three hundred, maybe a little less. No, it's one hundred and fifty. I just said I, that. Well, there, yeah. one hundred and fifty. But you also said one hundred and fifty. Said classified one forty nine ninety nine. And you said used gear. I mean, yeah, that probably comes down to a used price pretty quick in that range. My guess. Mm. Okay, well, if you find one, you let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you um, haven't seen one? I'll buy it. No, I haven't. Really? No, they they the lowest I've seen anything like that is like two if it's if there's something wrong with it. Usually they're around two twenty-five. I haven't seen too many. Mm. But I hey, wow. that's just what I'm seeing. I could be wrong. Um Jared, what do you got? Well, let's go back to like nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, I was in the military in Korea. So I was in Korea and I found two different guitar shops to uh to go to once in a while when I had the free time. There was this beat up junky classical guitar. Wait, you never told us you're in Korea. Again. What is What were you, you doing? You were in there? Korea? That was in the army. I was an MP. You were in an army? You didn't I mean yes. yeah, but <laughs> oh, Not, uh, who cares Korea? about that? Let me tell you about All this right. guitar. All right. So this old just beat up classical guitar and the brand on the headstock is O bong and it was for like uh ten thousand won and and so what, okay. in american dollars that's How like you spell that seven dollars what so i paid seven dollars for this classical guitar and it was called a an, an obong 
And I bought it just because it said Obong. I was like 20 years old or 19 or whatever. So <laughs> that was, was like, enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm getting because of the brand name. And and I bought it and I'm like, oh, no wonder it's 10 bucks like they're or seven American dollars. The the next coming off or whatever. So I took that baby home and I took a piece of plywood and cut a strip and just did a hack job fixing the neck. But I got to tell you, it's, this was almost 20 years ago. That's your that's your phrase, by the way. And right, so <laughs> I fixed the guitar in a totally crude, dumb way, and it still plays. The action's still where it was after I fixed it, and I beat on it. I've taken it to parties, and we, you know, I put all the stickers in the world on it. Seven bucks, man. I love that guitar. I'll never get rid of it. Huh. That's awesome. Well, if anybody ever finds an Obong guitar, you if let you us know. If you ever come up here, <laughs> you got to bring one. the Obong with you. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I'd love to. I still have it. Um, all right. Uh, Nick, what do you got? What's your choice? Okay. So two of my favorite guitars came off uh, the same guitar uh, repair shop's wall, Third Coast Guitars in Chicago, like six or seven years apart. The first one was a, uh, I guess, mid to late 90s California Tele um, that I got for like $125. It was just this lonely guitar they were using as a tester. And there was nothing wrong with it. And it played beautifully. I think it had Texas Specials in it. Mm -hmm. And I just liked it so much. Even though I was kind of short on cash, I bought it. So, And it's still a great – I've since put a Stets bar on it. And it's still a great, uh, wow. great guitar. But I played a lot of gigs on that thing. Um, I uh, – at the same guitar store, maybe six, seven years later, got an Ibanez Artcore, one of their thin body, full hollow bodies, kind of like an Epiphone Casino, but sure. single cutaway. Um, it had had a headstock break, but it was a guitar uh, uh, repair place, and they'd done a beautiful repair on it. I think I paid 125 for that and took it right to a gig with Common, and it wow. killed. Yeah. Um, it, it was, uh, and it still is a great guitar. It has a, you know, fake bigs beyond it and uh the art core stuff is actually really good sometimes you might need to replace the pickups if they're a little too muddy for you uh -huh. but the uh quality is great um i gotta give you four so the vintage vibe series you know from squire is excellent and you got to remember you know when you think today about guitar production and not to take away from hand builders and small builders here who do amazing work and i play you know two coupe guitars and i love them but the CNC machines that you find in Korea and Indonesia these days in China, you know, are some of the most accurate in the world. And if the company specs things reasonably well and people assemble them and do the, you know, fit and finish stuff well, or you take it to a luthier and get the frets done, you can get killer guitars, whether it's a vintage vibe. And finally, for my fourth, I really like those late 90s Dan Electro reissues that only cost like 100 bucks to begin with. Um they're not bad guitars. Usually you got to do some fret work on them, um, but they cost and the electronics are kind of, you know, they're not very durable seeming, but the sound out of the lipstick pickups they were throwing in them at the time was great. Um, and those are really great guitars, especially for clean funk work. You they're seem like a Dan Electro kind of guy. Yeah, I do kind of like them. Bit. I have a silver tone right here that I really like, uh, you know, the one that comes with the amp and the case and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but I like to play one guitar for everything, so I tend to lean towards something with two pickups and, uh, you know, that's a little bit more versatile tone-wise than that. But, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I have to go with uh, yep. my. Um, uh, it's kind of we we didn't really totally set this up. No, Jeff Jeff picked one that he wants, and you guys picked ones that you have. I'm gonna so I'll, I'll go with what Jeff what you <laughs> what you want because I didn't clarify that. My apologies. Um, and I think if if you gave me 150 bucks, I would probably um, pull out of Craigslist. Um, a sweet uh, Dean Flying V. There it is. Oh yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. Definitely. You can't. It's a flying V. Yeah. It's a flying V. I actually had a Dean Flying V that was a, a Sunburst, and I I ended up selling it to get a different guitar. But like the band Kansas used those in the in the early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's you know, awesome. the the new ones. Yeah. It, it, there's. The headstocks are pretty big right now. <laughs> um, they're they're a little. That's the they're, point. They're a little bit. Here's one with lightning on it. They're, 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 yeah, you, I, I wouldn't get it. I personally, I wouldn't get a dime bag, but that's me, you know. Um, but you can't go wrong. I mean, it's like there's nothing not cool about a flying V, no matter what. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and they're fun, and uh, that's that's kind of what I would view that as. Like that would be a, just a super fun guitar to to go like, look what I got, woo. Definitely. Yeah. And, but see, I would probably, I would probably strip it and then put evil Knievel stripes on it. There it is. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing is that people would go, he's got one of those Confederate flag things. (laughs) Oh, no. No, 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 no. Evil Knievel. Anyways, I feel exercised. All right, everybody. Um, Nick, so much thanks to you. Uh, for your interview with us and for the huge amount of help that you've given 57,000 plus uh, players out there. So we're, we're, we're really grateful. Um, Man, thank you. We'll love to have you back sometime and we'll sure. make sure that that happens. Uh, please go check out his YouTube channel. It's, it's no spaces, just Nick music. And um, which is a lame name, but. That's what I ended up. But it is what it, that's how I, it's how you remember you. Um, And uh, anything else, guys? Oh, yeah. Subscribe! Woo! Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit us at our website at theguitarknobs.com for episodes, news, and guest profiles. You can get all social with us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs. Give us a tweet at guitar underscore knobs. And check out our gallery on Instagram at guitar knobs. No spaces on that one.